Lady Ada. Hey everybody, it's a uh, happy Sunday, Easter Sunday, Desk of Lady Ada time. Me, Lady Ada, here with me, Mr. Lady Ada, on camera control. And uh, just wrapping up a weekend and a week of doing some electronics. It's April, time to uh, spring into action, as it were. Yeah, let's jump right in. What are you working on this week mm. with Ada? So I'm having more fun with keyboard stuff. I know we've been doing like keyboard stuff for the last couple of weeks, but you know, I'd like to stay on target. And uh, in the store, we have our Neo Key breakouts and uh, we also have our uh, Neo Key feather rings. Let's go to the overhead and I'll just show off some of these keyboard stuff I've been playing with. Um, so starting off, you know, this is the uh, Neo Key feather wing uh, that uh, we put to the shop and you can you know, plug and play uh, two keys. I think this example in particular, one second. Uh-oh. It says um, the kale sockets that you can plug in. And uh, I think I have this on a Feather RP2040 and uh, just having it, uh, it's actually a copy and paste keyboard because I saw that the Stack Overflow did like an April Fool's joke. Um, yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, well, let's just try making that. So I made I made that using this uh, this feather wing. So two keys. Um, we did get some uh, cool uh, keycap colors. So um, in addition to like the classic kind of translucent smoke and translucent clear, um, I also got. Let me see some colors I got. Let's see, I got some uh, some like eastery pastel colors. Some yellow. And uh, got some blue color keycaps. So um, these are standard MX compatible uh, keycap colors, and uh, these are symmetric, which I kind of like. So it's you know you can plug them in any which way. Um, and they don't get this a little bit better. Yeah. So it's, they can plug them in any which way, and they're symmetric. So you know a couple of uh, colors. I got like pinks and purples and, and blues and stuff. Um, but these are kind of the Peeps color. Um, so I got those. Uh, I also um, came back to, uh, we, you know, I started designing this a few weeks ago uh, and sort of just never got around to finishing the firmware. There was actually a bit of a bug I had in the code. So here I've got uh, four keys, right? Four keys. And then uh, here is a SAMD09, which is a Cortex M0 processor that I'm just using as a, um, you know, it reads the keys and it lights up the NeoPixels. And uh, let me plug this in so I can do the demo. Um, it does basically I squared C to, uh, to um, NeoPixel, so you can have NeoPixels on, uh, and keyboard um, reading. Um, so, you know, this is called like the Seesaw protocol that we've got. And it's basically just, you know, let's have a chip and it's an I squared C to whatever converter. And, you know, there's GPIO expanders on I2C, and then once in a while you get other things like I2C analog digital converters. But they're actually pretty expensive, you know, like, even like the cheapest I2C, the ADC, I think is like a dollar. Whereas I can get um, these little SAMD 09s, um, you know, this is a 48 megahertz processor with uh, 16K of flash and I think maybe a K of RAM or something. And, uh, you know, it's got eight multiple ADCs, it's got lots of GPIOs, it's got timers, it's, you know, it's a full microcontroller, right? It's, it's, a, it's a full chip, um, and it's only like 50, 60 cents. So if I can program, if I'm making enough of something, um, programming the chip to do my 
I squared C to whatever conversion is easier than, and you know, there is actually no I squared C of NeoPixel converter. So the fact that this can, you know, drive NeoPixels as well as, as read GPIO makes it um, kind of sweet. So I spent a little bit of time in, in that code base. You know, the, it's a small chip, and so we don't use Arduino. We use um, just a, a make file with <clears throat> SimSys, which is the um, uh, Cortex M0, you know, code control base. It's, it's all it's all lower level um, control, uh, but that means it can fit quite a lot of uh, code into this little chip. So um, I got the little this little breakout working. So you have I squared C coming in from both sides here, and chain them. And so in this case, I even have uh, you know two two of these next to each other. I, I built two protocol um, breakouts and they're just, uh, they're wired up to a, a cutie pie. So this cutie pie is plugged into these and I've got all these, these nice keys. So I just basically spent all weekend just kind of like clicking these really fast because I did find a, uh, an edge case where if I had an IRQ coming in while I was processing the IRQ, you know, very common thing that happens if you're processing IRQ and you, and you don't have mutexes, uh, you know, you can end up in a kind of a weird state when you're processing two IRQs at the same time. Um, so I just sort of wrote a little bit of code in there and you can even look in the, you know, commit history for the Seesaw library, um, where I just sort of ignore it. It's like, oh, if, you, if you're already processing an IRQ and another one comes in, just, just skip it. Because if you're pressing the buttons that fast, it's okay if you, if you miss one edge, in my opinion. So this is um, just doing a little you know, this, this code is running on uh, Arduino, reading the key presses and then writing the NeoPixel. And then um, in addition, I, I went back to an old project, which was a rotary encoder to I2C converter, also using that same chip, the same DO9, uh, but this one, again, uh, doing rotary encoder reading. Rotary encoders are a total pain to do in microcontrollers. You really need to have a timer uh, deal with them. Um, you know, it's best to have one interrupt and then you're constantly pulling the pins and you can't keep track of all the states and you do the debouncing. It's a lot of work. So having multiple rotary encoders over I2C could be kind of nice, right? Because it, it, it handles all the reading in the state and you just ask it what's their current position and it'll tell you. So for example, uh, in this demo, I, uh, oh my, keys coming apart. So I've got, you know, if I hold this down, it presses the keys and then I can r rotate the rotary encoder and it will, it'll change the, the color offset for this rainbow. So this is um, reading the rotary encoder over I squared C. And then there's also a push button, which you can read, although my code doesn't do anything with it. But I think this is kind of fun because you could, you know, this has um, three address pins. You could connect eight rotary encoders up. And again, all over I squared C, which I think will be quite handy. So just using the plain rotary encoder uh, here with a button, but maybe I'll get to an RGB encoder as well. And um, I also extended the code while again, while is while you know, if I'm in a code base, I'm like all the things that I want to do, I kind of go and try to do them all at once. So um, here I've got my little my dev setup. So I've got that same D09 processor here, hooked up uh, through SWD to my JLink, so I can debug it. It's wonderful having a JLink because you can do step debugging of this processor, and that's how I found that um, IRQ bug. Is is you know I focusing on them. I think the yeah. it's tough because it's like the yeah, pixel. Okay, um, the same DO9 is fun to, to step debug with the JLink. I love I love doing it. And that's how I, I solved the IRQ bug because I you know when it when it stopped working, I did a backtrace, found where it was, you know, did some investigation, was like oh, okay, this is great. So if you know if you if you're not used to 
um, using a debugger, I really do recommend uh, getting one. Uh, just saves you hours and hours of time. Um, Jlinks are uh, my favorite, although people use OpenOCD. Totally cool. I just like Jlinks. But um, wired up here, so I'm programming and debugging this chip. And then I hooked up uh, multiple rotary encoders. So in this case, I actually have three rotary encoders. There's one, two, and then here's the th third one. So three rotary encoders um, wired up to uh, the SAMD09. And then I've got uh, you know our basic Arduino here. And then uh, I twist this, and you can see the NeoPixel over there changes, and this one change now too and you know as I twist them it's going through the the rainbow colors so um you know this was actually supporting four rotary encoders but I, I removed one because I wanted to, to show it off so this just shows you know I can have actually my code supports up to 16 rotary encoders on one SAMD09 which is which is really wonderful again an off-the-shelf I squared C or SPI to rotary encoder chip is like three dollars um why when you can just have a microcontroller do it so uh, that'll be exciting. I was thinking of maybe, um, you know, like this is a four key, you know, like it's four keys to I squared C. Um, you know, I could, I could probably do one where it's like four rotary encoders and then you could plug it in over I squared C and, uh, and use that to, to read multiple rotary encoders with uh, maybe a NeoPixel or something. So, so that's cool. So I, I finished that, which is, which is great. Um, you know, the, the, reason that can have so many rotary encoders is again, I'm not using pin interrupts. I have one timer interrupt that's going off every like 10 milliseconds. And I use that to sample all the pins, do the math. It's fine because rotary encoders, they don't move that fast. If you sample once every 10 milliseconds, you'll, you'll catch every edge. Humans aren't moving that fast. Maybe if it was a robotic encoder, that'd be different, but, uh, but not for this. Okay. Any, any questions? Nope. So far? Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, a lot of like, you know, I'm doing like a lot of mechanical stuff um, here. So I've got those rotary encoders. And then, uh, yeah, so this, this, this is the rotary encoder breakout. And uh, so the rotary encoder plugs in here. You see I have to kind of do it at a 45 degree angle. Um, that was the only way to make it fit because I wanted this to be one inch by one inch. So a little chip on the middle and then I squared C on either side. I also um, got my Trinky PCBs, so this is my uh, rotary encoder to Trinky. So remember, this we actually showed this off, so I, I made a couple fixes, um, and this is ready to uh, do a final prototype, and then maybe manufacture. And then I've also got um, Neo Key Trinky, so this is like one key. So if I if I remove this key, I can show this. This is a one mechanical key. So it goes like this, clicky, clicky. This doesn't use a socket, one, because it would just like come undone immediately. Uh, and second, because there isn't really enough room for a socket. So I think, you know, for for mechanical stability and overall satisfaction, best to just solder in the key into place and that'll, that'll give you good support. So you can have this be your like escape key. If you have like an old Mac and you want like an escape key because they deleted it for some reason, you got an extra key. And then um, Phil had an idea for uh, slide trinky. So this actually does work. I was like, oh, is it going to be, is it, you know, if you yank on this, is, that gonna, is this actually going to pull out? Um, but I, I got a little uh, extender, USB extender cable, and, uh, you know, plug it in. And actually, no, like it, uh, it bends a little bit, but I think it'll be fine. Maybe I'll use an extra, extra thick PCB 
Um, but uh, I think this will be okay. This is like a little slide. Slide to USB converter. Kind of cool, kind of weird, right? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so those are Trinkies. And um, so the next thing I was going to do is, you know, this this being done, which is a, kind of a challenge because rotary coders are, like I said, they're, they're difficult. I thought I could um, maybe make a version that had a potentiometer instead. So uh, here's, you know, rotary encoders, potentiometers look kind of similar. But what if I made, um, you know, if I swapped this out, and this isn't going to fit exactly, but, you know, it would be a little bit like that. And then, you know, for microcontrollers that don't have analog inputs, you would be able to uh, plug I squared C into a potentiometer thing. I think there could be use cases. I know it's, it's not as, as incredibly useful as a rotary encoder, but I think there are, there are still situations where you're like, look, I want, uh, you know, potentiometer, and I don't want to, I don't have an ADC because I've got a um, single board Linux computer or yeah, a propeller chip or whatever, some, some chip that doesn't have um, analog digital converter and you just want it uh, easy panel mounted. So, um, so the next step is I'm going to try to get a potentiometer. And uh, the thing about the, the potentiometer is I want, uh, you know, we have some in the shop, but they're really like big. So I wanted one that was nice and slim that would um, fit, you know, maybe close to this uh, footprint because this would make it only one inch by one inch, very con compact and convenient. Not like this gigantic potentiometer, which we stock in the shop and I, I do like them, um, but these square body ones. So these I have left over actually from the Zoxbox builds uh, from like 15 years ago, but I thought this would make for a good, great search is how to get these square body potentiometers. Where All right, every single week, the Great Search brought to you by DigiKey and Lady Ada. She uses all her powers of engineering to show you how to search for things on digikey.com. Okay, and don't forget, if uh, in, in this year of uh, part shortages, if there's a part you're looking for, an alternative, let me know. I will uh, I'll help you out find an alternative uh, component. Um, but this week, um, I, you know, I was working on this rotary encoder breakout board, and this is kind of a standard Borns PEC 11 rotary encoder with a little switch in it. And I wanted to make a version of this board that was not a rotary encoder, but a potentiometer. So rotary encoder, you know, it goes all the way around, round, 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 but you don't know where you are, right? All you know is, is whether you've gone forward or backwards one. You have to kind of count the, the clicks. Whereas a potentiometer, it doesn't go all the way around. Uh, it only goes, let me see if I could move this. Uh, potentiometer doesn't go all the way around. It goes, you know, minimum, maximum. So you can't go around more than, I think, you know, usually 270 or 300 degrees. Yeah, you know, almost a full circle, but not quite. Um, you do know where you are, which is kind of nice. Like, you know exactly what position you're at. Uh, they're nice and smooth, but you don't get that full rotation. So, you know, there's times when you want uh, a rotary encoder for full rotation. And there's times when you want a potentiometer because you want to know what position you are, like 50%, 25%, 75% from a maximum. Um, so the uh, rotary encoder bodies that we're, we're used to are these square bodies. There's a switch uh, and then the three pins. We're not going to find something that's probably the same. They're, they're very similar looking, but they're not quite the same size body. And that's okay. Um, 
There are standard size bodies for rotary encoders are about 12 millimeters, you know, 12.5 millimeters. And for potentiometers, they're, you know, about nine millimeters, 10 millimeters uh, square body. And that's just sort of a standardish size. That said, I do watch out potentiometers do vary quite a bit um, from, uh, from type to type. Uh, there's almost more variation I find in potentiometer sizes than rotary encoders. A lot of people really they make rotary encoders, they make them in this standard size. The, the length of the knob may change, whether it's panel mount or not, but the overall shape and pinout is the same. Potentiometers, I found quite a bit of variation. So let's take a look. We want a, a low-cost, linear, 10K resistor uh, without a detent in the center. Okay, very bog-standard potentiometer that will PCB solder into our breakout, like so and uh, gives a nice strong mechanical connection, especially having these uh, side nubs. Okay. All right, you want to go to your computer? Yeah, let's go to my computer. So let's go to DigiKey. Oh, while we're at it, I was, I was um, you know, one of the things I was, I was looking at when I was searching on uh, DigiKey is, um, if you look for potentiometer, uh, you'll see potentiometers in rheostats and like, you might be wondering like, what's a rheostat? I was like, yeah, what is a rheostat? A rheostat is a um, adjustable value resistor, which is different than a potentiometer. A potentiometer, right, has the top and the bottom and then the middle goes between the two. So you do have, an, a, you know, a variable resistor, right? But it's only like, you got two variable resistors, the bottom half and the top half. Whereas a rheostat is only two pins. And as you turn it, the resistance changes. So not good for voltage divider, but much, but good for uh, changing how much current is going through something or um, uh, the bias uh, load or whatever of your device. So in our case, we're looking for a potentiometer, but they do often get categorized with rheostats. But rheostat, two pin, potentiometer, three pin. We want three pin. So um, I will say that there's a, you know, a couple uh, other options. There's thumb wheel potentiometer, uh, trimmer potentiometer. Um, trim potentiometer is, is tricky because it's like when, you know, which, which one do you want and when. So uh, trimmer pots are almost always these surface mount components. They, they can be through hole, but they tend to be uh, surface mount or through hole and they're small. And you use a screwdriver to adjust the value. They're, they're the same idea, but there isn't like a knob that you twist. Uh, usually, usually it's like a little, you can see here, like a screwdriver end. Use your screwdriver and you use to twist it. So these are for, uh, they're called trimmers because they are used to trim a value, right? You you want to adjust a voltage and it's, you know, you want to tweak it a little bit because there's variations. Um, the trimmer will let you uh, tweak it, right? And then you set it and forget it. You don't have, it's not something that users are constantly messing with. Um, and so for, um, there are some cases which will want trimmers. Maybe one day we'll go and do a, a trimmer potentiometer video, but, um, for now, we're, we're not looking for a trimmer. We want something with a knob. So that's, that's the difference. Um, there's the slide potentiometers. Again, you know, that's the, the kind I showed earlier in this video. It's, it's uh, you slide it up and down. We're not looking for that. We're looking for rotary. Okay. So what's interesting to me is actually there aren't as many potentiometers as I thought. There's only 10,000 different potentiometers, which is a lot, but like not as many as I would have imagined considering how often they're used. I think there's like a lot of like uh, standards. So let's go with active potentiometers. And then let's go with normally stocking. Now, usually I would pick 
uh, in stock, but because there's so many part shortages, um, I'm going to go with normally stocking and then, you know, we'll see what we, what comes up and if necessary, we can, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll order, um, a variation on it. So for resistance ohms, so there's a lot of resistance values available for potentiometers, but I'm going to select 10 K. And here's the thing, it doesn't actually matter for my use case what the resistance is because I'm doing a voltage divider. So it could be anywhere from 1K to 100K. However, any potentiometer that's made is going to be available in 10K. It's just such a standard value that what I want to do is, is find like the series, the family of potentiometers. I'll search for 10K. And then if it happens to be out of stock, I can always get the 5K or 100 or whatever. But 10K is like the... The, the standard, gold standard potentiometer values. So let's go with 10K. All right, so next up, uh, number of turns. So um, if you have a precision potentiometer, you can get one that they turn more. It, it's like a screw, basically. It still doesn't go around forever, eventually do run out of, of turns. Um, it's mostly a precision thing, you spend more for it. Um, I'm looking for something simple, low cost, just you know, twist back and forth. So I'm going to go with one turn. So that really cuts down the number of, um, of uh, availability. Uh, next up is number of gangs. It's like, is this, is this part of like a crew? Now, the number of gangs is how many potentiometers are ganged up on top of each other, like stacked up to make a, um, you know, like if you have a, a, a double gang, that means you can do stereo, right? Because you can adjust two voltages at the same time. Again, in this case, it's not necessary, but I will, I'll show you what it looks like. Um, so this is a, a tube gang. So see how there, it looks like, it's like literally looks like just two potentiometers stacked up on top of each other um, with six holes total. Those are two independent potentiometers ganged on top. Um, again, you know, this is useful. Often it's two for stereo. So you have a left channel, right channel, uh, and you twist this and you'd be changing both channels at the same time. But, uh, like I said, you know, then this is another a double gang one, but this one is through hole. It's very cool, but um, again, we're not, we don't need that. So let's go with a single gang. Okay, so now we're down to 300. So adjustment type, rear, side, top, user defined. I want the top adjust standard. I'm also going to select the, the, the dash just in case, you know, something is, is not fully categorized. Um, side adjust, by the way, is like this. You know, it comes out, you, you put on the PCB, it comes out... Uh, perpendicular and um, this is also perpendicular let me see if I can find this is there's a lot of perpendicular ones this is a top adjust right so from the PCB it's on the top and that's what I'm looking for so let's search for uh, top adjust and then taper linear logarithmic reverse logarithmic um, logarithmic is used for audio applications or sometimes um, biasing applications where you need to where you don't want the resistance to be linear in my case, I do want it to be linear. I want the 50% point to be 50%, not 10%, one or the other. So I'm going to pick a uh, linear taper. Okay, great. So we're now down to only 90 or so options. Um, okay, so then, you know, we're starting to look, okay, this, this is kind of a, a weird one. Uh, this is kind of also a little bit unusual. I want something like this. This looks like a good potentiometer. Ooh, like this one. But this is a, a multiple pins. You see how many pins there are. I only want one. Um, potentiometer. I don't know if that's possible to say. Oh, for switches. Detent, 
uh, detent is the center. So sometimes, especially if you're uh, doing audio applications where you want left and right balance, the center will have a detent so people can tell when you're at 50%. Um, in my case, I, I don't want either of these. I don't want a switch. I just want a plain um, potentiometer. Um, and then uh, surface mount, DIN rail, panel mount, through hole. In this case, I want through hole and also panel mount. Why panel mount? Sometimes they're categorized as panel mount if they have panel mount um, bushing and they are also through hole. So in that case, you really, you really do want all, all three options to, to get everything that can solder onto a PCB. Um, okay, so then, yeah, so this is like panel mount because it really does look like it's a panel mount, but uh, this would also be considered panel mount and this would also be considered panel mount, even though you see it's a through hole potentiometer. All right, so um, let's see. Next, next up, let's look at uh, PC pins versus solder lug. Solder lug would be a panel mount that doesn't plug into a PCB, so I want the PC pins. And then for actuator type, you know, remember we talked with uh, rotary encoders, um, there's T18, 18 tooth, and then there's flatted. Those are the two most common for rotary encoders. Now, it turns out that for potentiometers, there's even more options. Um, including um, this kind, which is, sorry, there's slotted. Sorry, this kind, which is slotted. Here you go. So you see at the top, there's a little, it's actually, this is, a, I would normally consider this a trim pot, but it's under potentiometers. I don't want slotted. I want something that fits the large knobs. So I want flatted or knurled. Or not on slide or knob. I think those are those are good, but I don't want slots. I want I want ones that look like this. There you go. So this, now we're talking about like standard potentiometers. This one is a T eighteen. Uh, this one you see is a uh, is a flattened uh, a D a D shaft. This is also I think a D shaft. This also looks like a D shaft. Okay, so now we're we're kind of at the point where we can. Um, Looking more, nothing else here is really that important to me. So now let's look at uh, pricing. Let's just sort by price. So this is kind of the potentiometer that we stock. It's standard, this very inexpensive round bodied one. I actually don't want this because um, see, it's exposed. I like the ones that are a little bit more sealed. It won't make a huge difference um, if it's in an enclosure, um, but for, for my purposes, I, I don't. I'm a little nervous about having it exposed. So let's look at this one. Um, okay, so let's look at the data sheet. Oops, sorry. Okay, so this is a, a kind of standard potentiometer. It looks like it's, you know, it's available in two lengths and two styles that's not so bad although this one has a uh it's a little short bodied i kind of like the look of this one this is a uh, a borns uh one and one thing i really like about it is it's got six thousand stock it's kind of nice so let's check this out looks good remember it's got the t18 looks like or otherwise knurled knurled top um, 
not sure that is TAT, and I'm going to have to grab some and then compare it to a, a potential. It looks like it has even more neurals than, than normal. So I'll probably get a couple of these. This one's pretty good. So I'll keep that one. And then, uh, oh, I like this one too. This one looks good. A couple hundred in stock. This one has a D shaft. So I'm probably going to get a couple of each. Um, they're really inexpensive. You know, they're 50 cents a piece or so. Um, potentiometers are like, thankfully, very inexpensive. I think I'm going to, um, I'm going to start with this one because I like that it's kind of like the most popular potentiometer on, uh, on DigiKey. So this is what I'm going to start with, the uh, PTV series, 10K ohm carbon linear. And, you know, start with this. And again, the physical sizes of all these are very similar. Um, I'll pick this and then I'll find um, the uh, shaft length and type that I like. But so far, this looks really good. I like it. It's, it's got a sealed uh, connection here. It's got uh, a nice body with, with two um, mounting slots and uh, a fairly uh, good-sized uh, actuator. So this is, this is my great search pick the PTV-09A series. All right, that's a great search. That's right. Where in the world is that part I need? The great search with DigiKey. Okay, a couple quick questions. Yeah, and then sure. We'll bounce. A um, couple comments, too. The, uh, the two gangs are good for crossfading. Mm, um, and that's then, true. And someone said, um, I guess when you were looking at the um, the standard nuts for the potentiometers, is that is that the standard one that you showed, or is there other ones? Standard nut? Is that the standard nut for potentiometers? I guess it was how they... There's different sizes for the panel mount nuts, so it's not that's not guaranteed. The knobs are pretty standard, yeah. but the, the mounting hardware is going to be like, as you saw, some are M7, some are M9. No, no real way to know for sure. Lady. That's Sorry. it. 30 minutes on Sorry. mark. All right. Thanks, All right. everybody. We'll see everybody during the week. It's a great desk of Lady Ada. Uh, tune in this week. We've got some exciting new products coming out. We've got the uh, the Funhouse, and we've got um, RP2040 Itsy Bitsies and Cutie Pie yeah. parts in stock, uh, ready to fabricate. So we'll probably be fabricating some of those this week. Every single day, there'll be videos on our site and in all our social media properties. You like this stuff? Go to eatfruit.com, put some in your cart, check it out. That's right. And some of the stuff you see will be in the store soon. Some of the stuff you saw from a month ago is in the store now. Yeah. So you can always... You always know what's happening. You always know what's happening. All right. That's Desk Data. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>